I was at a, a Baptist care meeting with all the pastoral care stuff we've been doing and they began talking about the gathering. Well, the gathering is this Baptist church thing that's happening in May where they're trying to get people from all the churches to get together to encourage one another and they're calling it the gathering. And Sue, my friend who's at the meeting with me, she says to me, oh, everything's a gathering these days. Everybody's gathering. You know, my daughter, she says to me, oh, Mum, I'm going to a gather. And she says, we used to go to parties. These kids go to gathers. I'm saying, I'm going to a gather. Everything's a gathering. I'd never heard of gather, a gather before. Does anyone, any of you young people know about gathers? No. You're, oh, yeah, and he's been to a gather. I picked on her. I should have asked if I could have picked on her, but some young person nodded their head and said, I don't know, you, all you older people, you haven't been to a gather, have you? No, you're out of it. Yeah, you'd be surprised though. You'd be surprised. Maybe you have been to gather because um, I, 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 I kind of like the word gather because, you know, you say, I'm going to a party. Well, there's high expectations straight away, isn't it? I'm going to a party, man. We're going, it's going to be going off at this party. We're all sitting around listening to music, holding our drinks, talking about the weather, you know? So how was your party? Oh, yeah, it was great. But you say, I'm going to a gather. Suddenly the expectation's gone. I'm just going to hang around with friends, you know? We're going to do whatever we're going to do. We're going to gather around something. I like gather. And you know what? What, what about church? Is church a gather? Or is it a party? I'm going to, going to church. Going to church tomorrow. It's going to go off, man. We're all going to sit around eating our jets afterwards and talking about the weather. It's going to be great. Here's the thing. I reckon Gather is a great name for church. I'm thinking of telling the elders we should change the name of the church to the Peno Gatho. <laughs> or should it be the Peno Bapo Gatho? I don't know. It's hard to know, isn't it? We're in our third talk. Following our church theme of belong, your place in the family of God, we looked firstly at that God's a relational God and therefore he calls us into relationship and relationship's foundational to belonging. Then last week we looked at that God's a, an adoptive God. God calls us into not just relationship, into his family and how what an honour it is to be part of God's family. Today we're looking at God as the gathering God. I'd like to share with you something from a great sage, my theology, one of my theology lectures when I was at Bible College, Dr. Robert Doyle. I pulled out my old Bible College notes and at the very top of his notes on church there is this paragraph. The evan it's all very theological, it's all very fancy. The evangelical doctrine of the church is all is essentially very simple. He doesn't sound like that. God has always purposed and acted in history to gather a people around himself. A group who confess that Jesus is Lord and sit under his word. The church is the living group around Christ created by the gospel. God has always intentioned to gather people. See, God's people in the Bible are those who gather around God. And God 
in the Bible is the active agent in gathering. See, God is not a magnet. We go, ooh, can't help it. God's not like the sirens from Greek mythology. It's, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to go. He's not a lure, he's not a bait. God is the active agent in gathering his people. He draws people to himself. And so when we look at judgment in the Bible, judgment is when God hands us over to our own choices, hands us over to our rejection of him, and we scatter away from God and away from life and into chaos and trouble. And salvation, God's great work of salvation, is when God becomes the God, as we've looked at in Lost and Found, the God who seeks, the God who calls, the God who forgives and cleanses and then gathers his people to him and includes us even into his family so we belong and find our place in the family of God. Two weeks ago, I said, when I was talking on the relational God, I said, strap yourself in because we've got a big topic today that's a topic of God. Well, today I'm going to say strap yourself in because we've got a really big topic today because today, get this, in church, we're talking about the Bible. And I'm saying strap yourself in because when you look at God as the gathering God, you're looking at the whole story of the Bible. So we're going to be covering the whole of the Bible today, beginning to end. Starting with creation, where God creates people to live in his presence with him. Around him, he is with Adam and Eve in the garden. But then comes deception and rebellion and sin and separation and judgment. And so we have scattering. God expels Adam and Eve out of the paradise garden into a fallen world of chaos and scattering and insecurity, the world we live in, away from God's presence, scattered. It's interesting, after the flood, after God's judgment in the flood of Noah, the people begin to gather themselves to build a great tower at Babel. And they, they, they gather around and they exalt their cleverness and they exalt their wonder themselves. And God acts in judgment by confusing their language so that they scatter all over the world and stop exalting themselves. But God doesn't abandon his people or his promises or his desires. He calls Abram. One man, he promises to bless the world through the descendants of Abraham who will become like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. So great will God's people be. Abraham's descendants become slaves in Egypt. And there in Egypt they grow in number, almost like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky, but they're oppressed. They're an oppressed multitude. So God, in the Exodus story, he rescues them from slavery, with his strong hand, delivers them through the sea, out of Egypt, crushes their enemies, and then God gathers the people he has saved. Around Mount Sinai, it's recalled by Moses in Deuteronomy. You could also read about it in Exodus, but in Deuteronomy, Moses Writes, remember the day you stood, be- to the- says to the people, remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, 
That is Mount Sinai. When he said to me, God said to Moses, assemble or gather or even church. It's the same word in the original. Church the people, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach these things to their children. You came near and you stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed. We read about this. While it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, these promises, the Ten Commandments, his law, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. That is the foundation of the old gather. The problem was with the old gather, you see how God separated and the smoke and the fire because the people, they've got a problem with their rebellion and their sin. And there's a threat of judgment if you come near the mountain, come too close to God. So there's separation even though God comes down and is present, but he is away. And this mountain formed the pattern of the old gather, the Old Testament, the people of God gathering around God. God was present amongst his people. by his, He ruled through them with his law and his commandments. And the Ten Commandments, they were on stone tablets and placed in this box called an ark. And the ark of the covenant, the ark of the promises, travelled around in a tent called the tabernacle. The tent then became a building called the temple and the ark was right in the very depths of the temple and you couldn't go near the ark because that symbolised God's presence, that symbolised God's rule by his word through his commandments. So there was this separation because of their sin. And people would gather They would come up. Eventually the temple was built in Jerusalem, which became the city of God. And people would flock up to Jerusalem for the festivals to gather around the temple, which had all these courtyards and barriers and rooms and rooms and rooms, and in the very middle, the holy of holy place. People would say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord. Come, let's go to Jerusalem. Come, let's go worship the Lord in his house. But separation... And then the, the prophets even prophesied that the day would come when the nations would stream up to Jerusalem to gather around God, to gather around his temple where his law would go forth from Mount Zion. And the people would be blessed as they followed God's law. God with his unchallenged rule. His word, his law, his presence. And then there would be blessing and worship and relationship and peace and security and joy. It would be like a great party in Jerusalem. Festivals of joy. The promise of the old gather was never realized. Because it was constantly hindered by the sin of the people of God. 
And so you read through the Old Testament, and what you have throughout the Old Testament story, the Old Covenant, is this scattering because of their sin of the people and judgment, and then God coming and gathering. It's kind of like the Old Testament, the Old Law, the, the Covenant and the Commandments were like a basket of marbles with holes in them. And their sin would shake and the marbles would fall out and they'd be scattering all around and God would come and gather them. He'd be grace and he'd gather and he'd put the marbles back in the basket and the people would keep on doing their own stuff and the marbles would be falling out and sometimes there's more marbles in the basket and sometimes there's more marbles spread all over the place and it's just this constant frustration because of their sin. When it came to a climax with the kings of Israel, when they established kings, those who lived in the north of the kingdom, who well, they said, no, we want our own king. We don't want the king from down south in Jerusalem. We want our own temple. Actually, we want our own gods. And we'll still keep Yahweh, the God of Israel, but we want our own. We just want to do our own thing and live how we want. And God scattered them with the Assyrians and they were no more. Down south, well, you still had a son of David, the promised king on the throne. You still had the temple, this representation of God's presence. But rather than gathering around God and having this party and submitting to his law, well, even the temple and the kings <coughs> became human institutions. And people served themselves. They weren't interested in serving people. They weren't interested in obeying the law. And the Lord warned them, if you keep doing this, there'll be judgment. And Hosea, the prophet, said, you know, you who say, I am God's people, you will become not my people. You'll be scattered, the prophet said. You'll be exiled. You'll be taken away from Jerusalem, taken away from the symbol of God's presence. And they kept on sinning and the judgment fell just as God warned. The empire of Babylon came down and they basically kicked the marble basket as far as they could and all the marbles went whoosh. And the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed and the people, the leaders, were taken away to be exiles a thousand kilometers away in Babylon. Judgment and scattering. And the king... From the line of David, well, he sort of ceased to exist for a little while, but just became powerless puppet and then nothing. So what of this gathering God? What of this God who is faithful to his promises? Because God said, I won't abandon you. Well, prophet Ezekiel, chapter 11. Therefore, say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although Ezekiel is a prophet in Babylon, he says, Although I sent them far away amongst the nations and scattered them amongst the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. If you follow Ezekiel's prophecy, you actually got the symbolism of God leaving Jerusalem, leaving the temple and going to Babylon. So even in Babylon, his people could gather around his presence symbolically. I'm a sanctuary for them. I'm still with them. And then 
Therefore, say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. God acted in grace, and they did return to Jerusalem under Cyrus the Persian. They even rebuilt the temple, which was smashed all those years ago. And they started the temple worship around in Jerusalem. But guess what? The basket still had holes in it. It was still being shaken by sin. It was still corrupted. So the old gather, it was very simple in formulation. God is amongst his people He tells them how to obey his law, but it is constantly corrupted by their sin. Could there be any hope for this issue of this sin and this shaken up basket that's got no security ever being dealt with? Could God's people truly gather around him so that those who are gathered are actually purified? And they remain gathered around God and his presence. And they're secure. And there is joy. Indeed, there is a party. Could there be a new gather? Well, the prophets prophesied that God would indeed one day deal with this problem of sin and rebellion and disobedience. And that he would stop scattering those who came to him. In fact, that he would send a righteous king, a Messiah, a Christ, who would rule his people and deal with their sin, who would also be a servant. Ezekiel puts it really well again, if I can stay with the prophet Ezekiel. Israel, remember they had these uses a shepherd image now. They had really bad shepherds. They didn't care. Ezekiel says to the leaders of Israel, you have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays. You have not searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Because you guys dropped the ball. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains. And on every high hill, they were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched for them or looked for them. That's what's happening with God's promises and God's people. What's going to be, what are we going to do with this old gather? But then Ezekiel goes on in verse 11 of chapter 34. He says, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will look for them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and I will gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. God says, I'm going to be the good shepherd. I'm going to gather my sheep. 
so that they gather around me as they should. God's people under God's messianic king will be the new gather. And Jesus comes and Jesus says to his disciples, I am the good shepherd. I will gather, I will seek, I came to seek and save the lost. And I will lay down my life for my sheep. So committed am I to gathering them. Jesus says, I will establish a new covenant, a new basket, a new way of being secure and having a relationship with God in my blood so that there will be sins forgiven because I will pay the price, so that my people will belong to my family and they will follow me and they will gather around me and they will be secure and none shall snatch them out of my hand. Because they've been purified. And all nations will come. No longer will God's law condemn and bind them and make them trip up and show their failure. No longer will they be at risk of being scattered here, there and everywhere. No longer shall there be any judgment on them. Because I will pay their price. I will take the scattering for my people and I will be righteous. See, no more will there be marbles falling because the holes are plugged and the agitation stopped. And now there will be peace. Now there will be a new people in new relationships with a new basis for belonging in God's family. There will be a new gathering in Christ Jesus. It's the language we use, Johnny spoke about that last week, that we are in Christ. And the marbles are secure because they are in Christ and not in the law, not in rules and regulations, but in the Saviour who is secure and sinless. Jesus offers his life for sins forgiven. Those forgiven gather round him for they are in him. They are clothed with his righteousness. Our Bible reading from Hebrews. The book of Hebrews constantly compares the Old Covenant, the Old Testament way of relating to God with the New Covenant in Jesus, the new way of relating with God. And so you get to chapter 12 and it actually compares the Old Gatho with the New Gatho. And that's what we read before. You, Christians, have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, like Horeb, like Sinai. You have not come to darkness and gloom and storm. You have not come to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged for no further word to be spoken to them because they were in so much fear of God because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it will be stoned to death. The sight was terrifying, so terrifying that most said, I am trembling with fear. You have not come to the God that will scatter you because of your failure to keep the law if you are in the new gather. But you have come to Mount Zion, that's Jerusalem. That is to the city of the living God, not the one 
few thousand kilometers away, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful gathering, assembly. The big gather, the new gather. You've come to the church. You know that word church is the word gathering in Greek. It's the word assembly or meeting. You have come to the meeting, to the gather of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, yes, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's the church. That's you and me. You have come to praise God, Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant, new promises, new way of relating with God, new security, and therefore you've come to the sprinkled blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel did, the blood that cleanses from sin, the blood that makes you secure and makes you holy. That's who you've come to. That's who you're gathering around. It's the new gather. You notice that the writer is speaking in heavenly terms to the heavenly Jerusalem because heaven is basically where you have the unopposed rule of God, where sin is no more. You've come to angels, so you've come to angels and you've come to joy. You've come to rejoicing. You've come to church, which is the Greek word ecclesia, gathering, assembly. It's just a basically simple word. It's the same word we'd use. In, in, in English, we, we have this word called church. And you go to church. Or you could say, I'm going to church. But when that word was originally used, it was like I'm just going to the gathering. There's no separate word for church. I'm going to gathering. I'm going to assembly. I'm going to the congregation of people. It's the gathering of those whose spirits, the spirits of the righteous, that's you, who have been made perfect through the sprinkled blood of Jesus, who laid, offered up his life for yours. This is the new gather. And we are already there. Heaven. It's now, but it's not quite fully realized, but we are already there. That's what he says. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to the Mount Zion. We're in the basket. We're secure in Christ, our resurrected Lord. Peter puts it beautifully in a metaphor, but he uses... Um, there's the new gather again. Um, Peter puts it beautifully... But now he's using a different metaphor. We've had sheep, we've had har we're going to have harvesting, gathering. As you come to Jesus, who is the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen and precious to God, you also, like living stones, we're coming to Jesus and we're like stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. We're being built into a house, this new gather, this church. Later on in 1 Peter, just in that same chapter, Peter says, so you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people of God's special possession. 
that you may declare the praises in our gathering of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, once you were not a people, once you were scattered, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but in Jesus now you have received mercy. There is the people of God built into a house. All the hopes of Israel now realized by those who gather around Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who gather, who church around Jesus. And it's an eternal gather. Often pictured as a banquet or a party, even a wedding feast. Last week, Pete Chong shared, who's down doing Christianity Explored today, he shared a kid's talk with us and a parable, a story that Jesus told about a king who wanted to hold a wedding banquet for his son who was getting married and he sent out these invitations to those, but everybody's too busy, there's too much going on in my life. No, no, I can't come, sorry, sorry, sorry. So nobody came and the king is enraged. Because such rejection invites judgment and invites scattering. And so the king says to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those invited did not deserve to come, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Come on, gather them. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with guests. This eternal banquet. And Peter reminded us that only those who wore the right clothing, however, could stay at the feast. And that clothing is the clothing of Jesus Christ who purifies us. Those who put their faith in him, those who gather around him. Only they can enjoy this eternal party. When we get to the end of the Bible, Revelation, there's many passages I could refer to. But John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude and there was that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language. And they're standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, which is Jesus, who offered his life for the sins of the world. And they're wearing white robes. They're dressed for the banquet. And they're holding palm branches in their hands. And there's joy and there's gathering and they cry out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God and to the who sits on the throne. Because they're gathered around God and to the Lamb. And not just them, because we're gathering with angels in joyful assembly, and the angels were standing around the throne. And around, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. This great gathering that is God's eternal purpose for his people. And we're already there. In Christ. Clothed in his righteousness. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it here, does it? Goodness me, this is the heaven. Oh my sword, save us. But our gather, this assembly, is to be a foretaste. That's the language of the Bible. Such high expectations on church. Our life is hid with Christ in God now. We have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. We are there with the angels in joyful celebration. 
And church, which means gathering, is held in such high regard in the Bible because we are to pursue the fulfillment now. It's the now and the not yet, but we're to be pursuing that fulfillment. This is to be a picture of heaven when we gather. There is to be love and freedom and relationship and righteousness and joy and the glory of God. So I have to tell you that church matters. Gathering matters. Belonging matters to God. Helping others to belong and find their place matters to God. It matters to God's creative purpose. It's fundamental to his purposes. For followers of Jesus, belonging and gathering is at the heart of your ministry and God's call on your life. Just turning up at one level and being, having a loving heart. The writer of the Hebrews, same guy who talked about the mountain, let us draw near to God. Here's the gathering. Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance of faith. He's just told us that Jesus has saved us by his blood through his death because he's, he's the sacrifice. He's the great high priest. So let's draw near to God. Let's gather with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed clean so without sin with pure water in Jesus let's draw near with confidence and let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess it's so good to be a follower of Jesus for he who promised is faithful we are cleansed we are the people of God and let us consider then how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds because we've got to let this work itself out in our lives and therefore not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. No, not around here. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord Jesus approaching. Belonging matters. Gathering matters. And if you're someone who belongs, you know, one of the, I heard it this week, a definition almost of what it means to belong. If you belong, you will be missed. Because you belong. Do you ever think about that? If we don't gather, if I'm not there, will I be missed? And does it matter if I'm missed? It should. Because you don't want to be missed in church. And you don't want to miss others because they belong. And we're meant to gather. We're called to be the body of Christ. More on that next week. But we're called to continue the work of Jesus. This gathering, as humble as it is, is the body of Christ to do the work of Jesus in the world today. Last Bible reading. I know I told you, strap yourself in. A lot of Bible reading today, eh? Jesus saw the crowds around him and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We know about sheep without a shepherd. Ezekiel told us. That's what the people are like. They're scattered. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest 
to send out workers into his harvest field. You know what people do when they go into the harvest field? You know what they do, don't they? They gather. In the old movies, I don't know where I picked up. Some of you will know. It used to be on the old movies, sometimes nuns singing, sometimes people in the Midwest bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. That's the song they used to sing because we're bringing in the sheaves. That's what we're doing as Christians. We're harvesting. We go out and sow and then we harvest because we're bringing people into the family of God. We're all gatherers. We're the body of Christ. We continue his work. Now there's been a lot. So thank you so much for listening. There has been a lot in today's message, and it was a struggle to put it together because I thought, oh, is it too much? But I've got to want to say that, you know. It's not easy. Because we've covered the whole Bible. But we've covered the whole Bible because I want you to see that this concept of gathering is so central that our gathering is therefore so important in God's purposes. Our theme for this year, belong, your place in the family of God. It's not just another nice idea. It's just not another thing to put a splash up and say, we've got, we've got an idea for this year. Hallelujah. It's not just a pretty picture that makes us feel good. This is an essential outworking of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is an essential outworking of what it means for every one of us to follow Jesus. That we belong and have a place in God's family and that we invite others to belong so that they may find their place secure, no longer scattered in the family of God. That's what we're doing down the road at Christianity Explored. Exciting stuff. Look at the picture. It's a great picture. Joyce Lamb, Johnny's wife. So clever. You see people gathering. You see them walking towards the centre. You see them locally situated in a town in a city called Sydney. That's Penno. People gathering. Different people. All sorts of weird people. Even people, maybe not as weird as you, but weird people. Gathering to belong in the family of God. Centred around Jesus. We don't have a cross or some other thing, but that's too hard, graphically. Robert Doyle said, at the very start of his lecture notes on church, the evangelical doctrine of the church is essentially very simple. What is church? It's very simple. God has always purposed and acted in history to gather a people around himself. A group who confess that Jesus is Lord and sit under his word. The church... Penobaps, Penogatho, is the living group around Christ created by his gospel. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. So I hope you have a sense to belong and be secure and help others be secure and help them find their place in the family of God. Let me pray. Father, we know that our church is so far from perfect. We know at times it's very hard to feel like we belong. And it's even hard, Lord, to help others to feel like they belong. But we pray, Lord, whether in small groups, whether here on Sunday morning, whether we meet in ministries, that you would help us to gather well, to encourage one another in love and good deeds, to press on while we wait for the day of Jesus' return. And that we ask, Lord, that our gatherings 
might be just a foretaste of heaven. Please do that more and more, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.